Welcome to Bell Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hole! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace! What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears? Don't do it! You got Tammy and Parker! <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Film Erupted. This is the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky, to oddly informative, to downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. I think you guys out there know that there's nothing I love more than a good mystery. Something that's unsolved, confusing... And has all sorts of different things going on that you got to try to put into place. And I've got a doozy for you today. We're going to get into it. There is a lot of information here. And it's very confusing. And you're like, wait, what? Huh? A lot of twists and turns. And things going in different, wow, swerve directions than you were expecting. Yes, the case that I am talking about today is Nurse Cindy James. You heard about this? You, uh, you read about this, Kevin? This is uh, a, a wild story. Obviously, I already said that. And uh, whew, let's get into it. Guys, let's see if we can solve this case together. Okay? Let's see what we can do here. On June 8th, 1989, I was eight years old. Oh, boy. A 44-year-old Canadian nurse named Cindy James was found dead in Richmond, a suburb of Vancouver. That's Canada. She had been drugged and strangled with her hands and her feet tied behind her back. She was found in the yard of an abandoned home a mile and a half from the shopping mall where her car was parked. She had been missing since May 25th when her car was discovered in that parking lot. There was blood on the driver's side door and items from her wallet were found under the car. When her body was discovered at the abandoned house, it looked like Cindy James had been brutally murdered. A black nylon stocking was tied tightly around her neck, and the autopsy revealed that Cindy died from... What in the world is going on? Did anybody just hear Satan take over my equipment? Wow. That was crazy. And the autopsy revealed that Cindy had died from an overdose of morphine and other drugs. Wait, what? The Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The Mounties. I love Mounties. Always makes me think of WWE Mounties. WWF Mountie. However, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police believed her death to be an accident or perhaps a suicide. Hmm? Looks like she was brutally murdered. Suicide? What are they talking about? The Vancouver coroner ruled that Cindy's death was not a suicide, not an accident, and not a murder, claiming that she died of an unknown event. This was despite the fact that in seven years preceding her death, Cindy had reported nearly a hundred incidents of harassment, and this intense harassment began about four months after she divorced her husband. Obviously, this sounds like a 
crazy confusing case already. This case was featured on the Unsolved Mysteries show. Ooh, wow, it's a big deal. And was discussed largely across the American TV talk circuit and also heavily in Canada, obviously, where it was from. And it was on such shows as A Current Affair, Maury Povich, and various news networks. Obviously picked it up, CBS, ABC, blah, 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 name all those for sure. And I actually gathered a bunch of news clips from different uh, sources talking about it. So I'll just play a few clips here so you can kind of get an idea of what a... uh, what a what a large case this was. Hello, everyone. I'm Maury Povich, and welcome to A Current Affair. Cindy James was a beautiful blonde nurse with everything to live for. And then Cindy's life started to go haywire. Someone, she said, was out to kill her. The question is, how do you tie your hands behind your own back and then kill yourself? Strange suicide, but that's what the police in Richmond, B.C. called the killing. She was a 44-year-old nurse, Cindy James, who'd reported over a hundred terrifying threats and incidents in the years up to her death. But when her body was found, what seemed so obviously a sadistic murder wasn't obvious at all. Cindy James was a nurse who lived in Richmond. Her body was found in a vacant lot there last year, two weeks after her family reported her missing. For months, the mystery that hovered over the death of Cindy James became a national obsession in Canada. I now believe it's a suicide. I believe it's a murder, yes. The body of the 44-year-old nurse was found in June of last year at Number 3 Road in Blundell in Richmond. Cindy claims a mysterious intruder began stalking and tormenting her to the brink of insanity. This is probably the most baffling case that I've ever come across. One that's kept me awake at nights. I know anybody who's come across this case, the jurors, the coroner's people, police officers who I've talked to, everybody has lain awake at night thinking, can this be? Can somebody have done this to themselves? Can somebody be out there lurking still and have never been caught? Maury Povich there. Gotta love Maury Povich. So yeah, you heard a bunch of different news reporters uh, discussing the case. Now, uh, let's see, we're here in 1989, right? Now, forensics investigation was very much in its infancy, right? So we didn't have forensic files. Great show. Uh, we didn't have stuff like that or CSI, right? So they didn't know how to do this stuff. Is 1989. We didn't have technology. So our investigators really had to rely on basic traditional techniques to determine if her stories of these attacks and kidnappings and harassment were true. And you say, whoa, what's all that? We're going to get to it all. Trust me. I guess let's start now. Let's go back to the beginning here. Cindy was the eldest of six children. At age 19, she married a Dr. Roy Makepeace. Yeah, really. His name is actually Makepeace. Dr. Makepeace. Dr. Makepeace. Uh, He was 18 years older than her, so do we sense a daddy complex, perhaps? I'm not sure, but she's uh, a lot younger than this dude. He's probably like, oh, I'm the man. I'm going to marry this young nurse. But she ended up being crazy. Well, I'll let you guys be the judge of that. She worked as a nurse, but also loved to counsel children with emotional problems. She also seemed very happy to her friends and neighbors, But suddenly she decided to end her marriage in 1982, and she chose to move on in her life without her husband. 
By all accounts, she had a good family life and had a fairly good relationship with her parents. And it was actually her parents that she first approached with these stories of harassment. She later ended up going to police because she was getting death threats by phone and by mail. And with each incident, this beautiful, vibrant woman took another step down physically and mentally. So it was draining the life out of her, constantly being harassed by stalker, stalker, stranger, danger. Let's talk about some of the crazy things that happened to this woman. So there were three dead cats found in her garden and around her house. Now, I've read various things. Some people say there was a dead cat left in the house, a dead cat left on the porch, a dead cat left in the yard, in the garden. I'm not sure, but a lot of the sources I read actually said three dead cats. So, there were dead cats. I mean, I'm a cat person, so I'd be like totally freaked out if I was finding dead cats around my yard. Not cool. Not cool at all. I see cat violence in movies. I get pissed off. Reportedly, uh, she had porch lights smashed. So she tries to go outside, and someone has smashed her outside light. How is she supposed to walk around when she can't see? And there's all the glass. Stalkers making a big mess to clean up. Another major thing was her phone lines were routinely cut. Now, going back into the 80s, you had landlines, right? So, yeah, I guess cutting your phones is really... You're cutting off your connection to the outside world... Nowadays, with cell phones, it's like not that big a deal. If someone cut my phone line, I'd be like, that's fine, because I don't even have a phone hooked up to my landline. I don't even know what the phone number is. So, you screwed up, sucker. I do just want to say, I am still getting over a cold. I had a Mataba virus, so my voice is a little nasally. It's going in and out, so I'm struggling here to, to bring you podcast content. Now, bizarre notes began to appear on her doorstep. And there were at least five violent physical attacks that were reported. One night, Cindy's good friend, Agnes Woodcock, (laughs) these people and their names, make peace, Woodcock. Anyway, her friend Agnes Woodcock dropped by, and when there was no answer at the door when she was knocking, she decided to go around the back of the house and found Cindy crouched down with a nylon stocking tied around her neck. She had gone to the garage to get something, and Cindy was allegedly grabbed from behind by an unidentified intruder. Okay, so, I don't know if this woman was supposed to come over on purpose. It says that she just dropped by. That sounds unannounced, and we'll get into why that is important later, because was Nurse Cindy doing this on purpose to get sympathy? Or was this a legit attack? Okay, she said she was grabbed from behind by an unidentified intruder. So she reportedly has no idea who this person is. And this is pretty early on in the case. So I think most people are going to give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh my God, this is horrible. How can I help you? Let's get some home security or something up in this place. And uh, obviously you're going to be quite sympathetic to her. One of the more threatening notes received by Cindy was uh, I'll try to describe it to you. It's kind of like a collage. It says, I see you. I see you. And it has a couple pictures on it. One of them, I, I honestly can't make out. I'm not sure what that is. The other picture on it is hands around a woman's neck, like she's being strangled. And then there's a picture of somebody holding what appears to be a knife. Okay, so they're showing violent images 
And again, it says, I see you on this note. Uh, These kind of messages were left on the windshield of her car, along with a picture of a covered corpse being wheeled into a morgue. Whew, that's another... Could you imagine? Go outside to go to work or something, and there's this this picture on your windshield. I'd be like, the hell is this? Where the, I, You would look all around, be like, is there someone lurking in the bushes? Like, that would be really strange and pretty alarming, to be honest with you. So she's getting all these crazy notes. Uh, reportedly, raw meat was delivered to her house, and even her dog, Heidi, was found shaking with fright, sitting in its own feces with a cord tied tightly around the dog's neck. Let's back up there. That's a lot to digest. Raw meat is being delivered to the house. I mean, you could, like, if it was, like, Omaha Steaks or something, I'd be like, sweet. But I'm getting the feeling that this is, when they say delivered to the house, it was probably, like, dumped on the house, like, dumped on the front porch or on the sidewalk. That's how I'm taking it. That would seem grosser and weirder to me rather than... Raw meat is strange to begin with. I get it, but... It's just a weird, weird statement there. Anyway, but her dog was found in its own feces, so the dog had something tied around its neck. So we're getting kind of a common theme here with the nylon stockings around Cindy's neck and the dog covered in feces. No, that's that's not a reoccurring one. I think that only happened once, but poor little dog Heidi. Now, the harassment would stop, and then it would start again. Okay, so... Cindy began to feel more and more destabilized. She never knew when these attacks and harassment was going to come. And she expressed quite despair in her private journals. So Cindy decided it was time to take action, right? I don't know who's coming after me. They physically attacked me. They're leaving me all this threatening stuff. I need to do something. And I totally understand that kind of mindset. So she ended up moving to a new house. Okay, good start. She painted her car. Okay, not really sure. Okay, is that really going to be a great decoy? But I, she painted her car, and then she changed her last name. That's a smart move. Okay, we're trying to get away from Mr. Psychopants. And she ended up hiring a private investigator. His name was Ozzy Caban. It's a cool name. Let me tell you, this dude, he is one cool SOB. He wears red thin suspenders okay you know you're a private eye a private investigator when you're walking around wearing those little red suspenders you know you are the man now keep in mind that the police were also investigating but as more and more time passed uh, they were starting to doubt Cindy's stories and Ozzy Caban our private investigator he reported later that Cindy would sometimes be evasive and withhold information. He felt that she was keeping stuff back from him. That's never good. And Cindy's mom thought that her daughter was reluctant to tell the truth because she was threatened and feared for her life and her family. Now, I actually have a couple clips here from Cindy's mom and Cindy's dad. And some of this quality is a little poor. Again, this is all from the 1980s, so it's probably off somebody's VHS tape or something. And I found on YouTube and the internet. And uh, so, yeah, take a listen here to her mom and her dad describing her and the ordeal that they're going through. She was so afraid to tell me something. And she said, "Uh, I need help badly, but I can't tell you, Mom. If I do, I'm afraid for you. And I would say to her, don't let it get you down. Fight, 
fight, damn it, girl, fight. And she'd say, I'm trying, Mom. Why in God's name did she have to pay that penalty so early in life when she was doing so much and so desperately cried out for help and wanted to live a normal life? In the last eight years, she didn't know what a normal existence was like. She couldn't go outside her door and feel safe. I call it a non-investigation because it was not an investigation to determine, in my mind, what caused our daughter's death. It was an investigation to try to pin, get evidence to pin it on her herself. And let me tell you, they're such cute little old people. You know, it's a shame that this happened to their daughter, whether it was, you know, self-inflicted or some crazy in- intruders were after bed intruders. Hide your kids, hide your wife. And hide your husband's because they're raping everybody out here. That's a previous episode. Auto-tunes. Check it out. Anyway, they're a cute little old couple. I feel bad for them, you know? It sucks. Anyway, so her private investigator installed lights at her residence and gave her a two-way radio and a panic button. Ooh, he really stepped it up there. He gave her this two-way radio because, again, her phone lines kept getting cut. And so if she needed an absolute quick emergency... Uh, This two-way radio was going to be the quickest way to get in touch with him. And the police would do routine surveillance around the house. This was totally normal. They were always checking it out. High alert, trying to help this woman. One night, our private investigator, Caban, heard strange sounds coming from his radio. So he rushed over to Cindy's house. He found Cindy on the hallway floor with a paring knife stabbed through her hand with a note on it saying... You are dead, bitch. He checked her pulse, and he actually thought that she was dead. She wasn't, but he thought she was. Her heartbeat was very low. She ended up being rushed to the hospital, and she made it. It was stabilized. And the only thing that she could recall was that a needle was put into her arm. Huh? That's all she knows? She doesn't remember when it happened or anything? Seems like there's a lot of details perhaps missing in that story. Quite vague. The police did not take fingerprints and were growing tired of the whole saga. But Caban was adamant that nobody could have done that to themselves. Um, yeah, it seems like a very unlikely thing to do to stab yourself through your hand and, like, lose a lot of blood and there's a needle. I don't know. It's confusing, right? But theoretically, somebody could have done that to themselves. It's not completely out of the question. It, would it be strange behavior? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's completely out of the question. Cindy subjected herself to several hypnosis sessions and polygraph tests to try to get to the bottom of this. But she was considered too traumatized to be a good candidate. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that she wanted to do a polygraph and they said no? What the hell's going on in this case? What kind of police work is this? The threatening phone calls continued, but could never be traced because they were too short. And it was the 80s. They had shit technology. Mind you, there were never any calls when the police were doing their 24-hour surveillance. Hmm. So you cannot blame them for growing suspicious. The incidents always happened when the cops were not around. Her parents thought that her attacker was smart enough to stay away at the proper times in order to make Cindy look more and more suspicious. That's interesting. They think it was a conspiracy. These people were hiding and lurking in the shadows. 
and were waiting for police to leave, and they would immediately go do something to her. So then she'd say, Please help me, they're back! Please come back, nothing happens. That sounds really well organized for some unidentified stalker or stalkers. Nowadays, the police said that they would have just been able to trace those calls and would have probably been able to lock in and zoom in and find this person. Here's another crazy thing that happened to this woman. After a another attack, Cindy was found lying in a ditch six miles from her home, wearing a man's work boot and a glove? Did it fit? Because if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. I don't know why she's wearing boots. Who knows? She was suffering from hypothermia and had cuts and bruises all over her body. She also had a black nylon stocking around her neck, becoming a trademark for all these alleged attacks. This sounds like pretty serious injuries to me. However, Cindy did not remember the event, huh? and asked her parents to stay with her. One evening, her parents were awakened by noises in the basement, and they saw flames. After realizing that the phone was cut again, it was dead, they went outside to alert neighbors. They saw a man at the curb and asked him to call the fire department, but instead he just ran off. This was actually the second arson case reported. God, having a fire is like a terrible thing to have happened. Go down your basement. Stuff's on fire. What is going on? So, okay, so somebody was in the house, clearly, to have started a fire in the basement. Hmm. Could it have been Cindy in some sort of a psychotic episode? Or again, is it this mysterious intruder? The police determined that the fire was started from the inside because they saw no fingerprints on the window that they think the perpetrator would have used to gain entry into the house. Therefore, they determined that Cindy had probably staged the incident. They also found other odd behaviors by Cindy to be very alarming. One of them was that she used to walk her dog very late at night. Why would you do that if you were fearing being attacked and harassed all the time? So the police were very suspicious of Cindy. Setting fires in your house, cutting your phone lines, this girl's crazy they're saying. Unfortunately, Cindy's parents saw her condition deteriorating farther and farther and feared for her mental state. Cindy was terrified and she was going downhill steadily. Believing that she was suicidal, her doctor committed her to a local psychiatric ward. As far as Cindy was concerned, her credibility was shot. She became despondent and was admitted to the psychiatric ward of a Vancouver hospital. It was here that she wrote this note two years before her death. I still feel suicide is my best option in an unbearable situation. And as soon as I get out of here, I will carry out my plan. Ten weeks later, she was released. That's when she admitted to friends and family that she knew more than she was saying about the perpetrator and would personally go after him slash them herself. Was she falling deeper into her delusion, or was there a real person behind all of this? You be the judge. Episode's over. I'm just kidding, there's more. Cindy became very depressed because she felt that her credibility was destroyed and that nobody believed that somebody wanted her dead and was pushing her towards insanity. 
After endless questioning, Cindy finally told the police that she believed her tormentor was... letting the excitement build it was was she believed it was her ex-husband dr roy makepeace the police encouraged her to call him on the phone and they set up a recording device to see what his response would be so they taped the conversation and here is just a brief clip of that very conversation it. I always have denied it. I have absolutely nothing whatever to do with it. So that's a firm denial, right? Make peace is like, hey, no, bitch, I, I did not do it. You ain't gonna get me for this. Now, he was a psychiatrist, Dr. Makepeace. As a psychiatrist, Roy would have been familiar with the fine art of playing with her mind. But he totally denied any involvement during that conversation. In fact, the phone tape was played at a public inquest, trying to clear his name, right? Then to further make Peace's case, he actually gave the police a recording on his own answering machine that contained a death threat. So this is, what is going on here? And I have the audio clip here of the death threat that is on his phone, but it's not, it's not to him, which I find strange. It's on his phone. And I'm going to tell you what this says because it was very hard for me to understand this voice message the first time I heard it. It's like a, a voice that says, Cindy, dead meat. And I think there's actually even a longer one that says, Cindy, dead meat soon. I think I only have the Cindy, dead meat one, but it's like, Cindy, dead meat. And there's a lot of debate. Was this really the intruder, the stalker, sending another, you know, life-threatening message for some reason to her ex-husband? Was it possibly, again, the doctor? Maybe he was making this up and he, you know, did this to further proof it's not me, see? Or was it Cindy? It's kind of hard to tell. I'll play it for you a couple times. say that almost kind of sounds like a woman's voice a little bit kind of does right i don't know i don't know on that one cindy james was either confused psychotic or totally innocent right but she was sounding more and more out of it as her despair deepened and it all ended after they found her body two weeks after she was reported missing she had gone to a shopping mall to deposit her hospital paycheck and to do some grocery shopping you have to wonder why somebody would be doing all of this if they intended to kill themselves. Keep that in the back of your mind. And, like, why not just do a suicide? If it is a suicide, why not just do it at home and not cause your family so much pain and everything for it being a very, like, visible case? Apparently it was found in an area where there's a lot of traffic and there's pedestrian walkways, which I guess are sidewalks. 
it took two weeks for them to spot this body off on the side, just like falling in the in the grass. And there's a little like a little jacket, and she's right there next to it. So here's some of the facts about the actual death. She had an injection mark on her arm. So that kind of makes it hard to believe that she could have walked a mile and a half to this spot where she fell down and died after injecting herself with morphine, right? That's pretty far to go. And they found no needle close to her car or anywhere around the crime scene. So no needle found. Okay. Hmm. She has a puncture mark. So she was injected with morphine or maybe not. The police think that she probably ingested the morphine and thus had plenty of time to do the rest. But again, they found no evidence to that effect. And they found no proof of purchase by Cindy for black nylons. So where she was found, like I said, she had these uh, black nylons wrapped around her neck. Her feet were bound and her arms were bound behind her. Okay. And there's a little jacket and she looks like she just like fell over next to it and just sort of like laid there. So people are saying, oh, okay. She, um, she was obviously attacked and strangled or something like that, but came back with the report that no, she died from a morphine overdose and like other drugs mixed with it or something. But again, no needle found anywhere around the car where she had disappeared from or the murder scene or we'll just call it crime scene. Nothing found there. So I didn't even really know you could ingest morphine. I don't know anything about morphine. I guess there's some pill format you could take or something, some formula, I don't know. And maybe that has a slow like release, like it takes time to disperse throughout your body and she took a lethal dose and did all this. And again, this is really really um, going to great lengths if this is a suicide to make it look suspicious to people to go to tie yourself up and all this shenanigans seems like an awful lot of work to go through but if this woman really was having all these psychotic issues and like there's a thing called Munchausen I don't know if you've heard of it Munchausen is like basically a disorder where people will make themselves like sick or Munchausen by proxy they'll make others around them sick like kids and they do it for attention and money and different reasons but it's it's like a, a pretty serious disorder and I think maybe nurse Cindy James had something similar to this all these incidents seem to have come when no police were around or anything okay so maybe she had it's not exactly uh, Munchausen but it's something similar to that disorder um, you may say like a hypochondriac kind of thing even like she's making all this up to try to get sympathy from people because how come she can never name who the person is like she can never say like oh it's a group of people I don't know this seems like it's almost kind of convenient to just say that it's her ex-husband but she's the one who ended the marriage she's the one who said I want out so I don't know it's just peculiar that she would end up choosing him throw another curveball into the case Cindy also had a lover named Pat McBride who just happened to be one of the main cops working on the case the police suspected that possibly Pat McBride and Makepeace were suspects, but they had no concrete evidence against either of them. Everybody pretty much seemed to be a suspect in this case. 
So I, that's um, kind of shocking there. This Pat McBride worked on the case, and he ended up staying with Cindy for a month. Isn't that sound strange to anybody? And it came out that I guess they were lovers. They had a heightened relationship, as he said. Stayed with her for a month, and nothing happened. No letters, no phone calls, no weird nothing. Nothing at all. So I don't know if they broke up or whatever, but their fling was over, and he left the house after a month. That's some... uh, He did some pretty serious investigative work there, Mr. McBride. He's like, I'll sleep with you. I didn't find anything. I'm out. After a month. The evidence in the case was quite contradictory. So the police opted to just blame Cindy. And her ex-husband came to believe that she had multiple personalities. And that she was, in fact, unaware that she was tormenting herself. Her father was convinced that the investigation was never aimed at finding a perpetrator but instead at pinning the responsibility on his daughter. Nobody really knows for sure what in fact happened, but the only undeniable truth in the story is that Cindy James suffered immensely, uh, and she paid for it with her life. Was it mental illness, or was there a sadistic perpetrator who wanted to drive her crazy and eventually killed her? Nobody truly knows. Both her mother and father have since passed on, And to their deaths, neither of them believed that their daughter had committed suicide. They believed firmly that she was murdered. Wow, so, a lot of strange evidence. (sighs) I don't know. It's arson. I mean, we've got a little of everything here. There was blood on the car. You know, when she disappeared for two weeks, they had found blood on the car and stuff thrown under the car. Like her... Things from her purse... That's suspicious. That's suspicious. But again, she could have maybe put the blood there herself. Mm, it's hard to say. Did a, did a brisk jog a mile and a half away. Maybe did morphine on the way. Maybe didn't. Maybe somebody did it to her. And then fell down on the side of a field by sidewalks and died of a drug overdose while tied up. It is so confusing to figure out what happened here. If this had happened in a more modern era, we would have just checked for semen. You know, if there's semen there, you can figure it out. There's always semen at a crime scene. But this is back in the day. They didn't have that technology. No semen was found. I guess she wasn't sexually uh, assaulted. I don't know why I'm adding facts in that are not real facts. But I guess I'm just sort of going through... All the different things in my head, the dead cats, the pictures, I see you. You know, I do find it really, really suspicious that never once was anybody uh, found to be a suspect, ever. Like her ex-husband, okay, you always have to look at the ex-husband or the ex-lover or ex-boyfriend in these kind of cases. You just have to because more than likely that is your culprit, that is the person who's doing it. But not always, right? Obviously, you can't just say that, you know, right off the bat and stick with it. You got to find evidence. And there was no evidence to say that her ex-husband had anything to do with it. So if you don't believe it was him and you rule him out, she says it was some other, some intruder or something. There's no evidence. There's nothing left behind by this person. There's that one voicemail 
you know, Sandy, dead meat, E.T. phone home. That's all there is. It, it's all such shaky evidence, and it's all so convenient. You know, she could have easily laid down all of this evidence, and it's impossible, impossible for anybody to pin it on her or on somebody else, which makes it the perfect evidence and alibi for Cindy to lay down if she is indeed suffering from some sort of a psychotic break or, you know, mental illness, some sort of a problem or issue, and she's doing this to garner attention. Now, here's the thing. This went on for seven years before she finally died. That is an excruciatingly long time for somebody to be doing this to themselves. But, but, I think it's an even more ridiculously long time. Ridiculously long time? I'm not sure. That was weird wording. I think it's even more insane for a stalker to be doing it for seven years. You know, I think... We've all had our crushes when we were younger, got a little obsessed with somebody or whatever, but people may, you may Facebook stalk somebody or something for a little bit, then you get over it. Seven years is a really long time to be following somebody and sending little messages and, and putting things on fire in their basement while they're in the house. Like really, really risky behavior that could get you caught. This person did it all while knowing that police were surveilling the area and there was a private investigator. I I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to put the blame on this lady and just say she's a liar and she did it to herself. But it just seems like somebody would have slipped up in seven years doing this or she would have gotten a good look at the person or the cops saw a suspicious vehicle in the area. I know I'm talking in circles and just sort of rambling here, but I'm just thinking out loud. I think more... I think it's... I think it's more likely that Cindy James had some sort of severe issue and she was planting and these items and doing these things herself. The actual... The final thing when she was found dead... I guess you could wrap stuff around your neck pretty tight, right? Without dying and making it seem that way. But she had her hands tied behind her back and her legs. That seems to be difficult. But if she had ingested the morphine, a whole hell of a lot of morphine before she did it. So it looked like she was tied up. I'm confusing myself. I don't know whether this woman did or not because the murder... Let's call it the murder. The crime scene at the end looks suspiciously like murder. Looks more like murder. But all the other stuff looks like it's probably Cindy doing it. Again, because the lack of evidence over seven years, nothing found of these gentlemen or gentlemen coming after her. So I don't know, man. I'm baffled as I was when I started reading about this and uh, wanted to do a podcast about it. I don't know. I don't know. I need you guys to send me an email at filminterrupted at gmail.com with your conclusion. Tell me, what did she do it? Did she not do it? Who did it? Who didn't do it? I don't know. Ah, can't figure it out. It's going to remain unsolved, I suppose. 
and this case actually is officially unsolved. You know, they don't they don't know what happened. And it was all these years ago, 1989, that this went down with uh, Nurse Cindy James. A lot to digest there. Confusing stuff, I know. So again, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. Peace out! And the autopsy revealed that Cindy died from... What in the world is going on? Did anybody just hear Satan take over my equipment? Wow. That was crazy. My uh, equipment went absolutely nuts. It's going nuts still. What's going on here?